Welcome to Back in the Field. My name is Carl. And my name is Arthi, and today we're talking about the funeral. They really don't have, like, a naming schema for these episodes, really, beyond just being like, these are some nouns in the episode. They're, they're, they're just, um, it's more like they're not trying to be creative. The episode titles are reasonably descriptive. Yeah. Yeah. On some level, I kind of like that, because, like, I, as much as I appreciated Friends being, like, the one where, um, I don't know, I, I, maybe after How I Met Your Mother, I'm just sort of over cutesy episode titles. How did How Do I Met Your Mother do it? They would have, like, they would have, um, like, title drops. Like, there would be, like, episodes that would be called things like Zip, 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 or, um, uh... I don't know. The, the episode titles would usually be like either a line from the episode or that would be kind of like hidden. So you kind of have to like wait for it um, or they would be sort of self-referential. In fact, there was one episode called Wait For It. So I don't know. I mean, How Met Your Mother also had other problems <laughs> besides like episode titles that like were sort of too clever for their own good. Well, Sensei also does also pulls um titles from lines in the episode that their lines are all incredibly pretentious yeah i mean but sensei also isn't pretending like it itself is not a pretentious show no sensei's great um i need to pick up sensei but the <laughs> irony the movers lost my roku so i'm currently like not really <sighs> who were these functionally clowns? able to watch things they destroyed everything I know. well i well, okay, Ozmovers have actually been awesome. Shout out to Ozmovers, who are never going to hear this podcast. But uh, it was actually the IKEA delivery service that ruined everything. So, meh. How did they have your Roku? No, no, IKEA's delivery service were the ones that, like, kept telling me delivery times and then not showing up during those delivery times. Right. But they didn't lose your Roku. No, no, the moving service did. But they, but honestly, I hate to be like, I'm, I'm so reasonable. Like, they lost one of my boxes. That box happened to hold, happened to have my Roku, some power cords, some light bulbs, um, an extension cord, um, my, like, surge protectors, some Ethernet cords, my jam box, my Roku, and my spare microphone. And that's the box that they happened to have misplaced. Right. Um, so, uh, so Carl, what happened in the funeral? I'm assuming there was a funeral. Yeah, sort of. Uh, it started out with, um, everyone commiserating about how terrible the vulture is, and, uh, then the vulture upping the ante by requiring that Jake dump Amy, or be, uh, busted down to beat cop, which provided the driving tension throughout the episode. Uh, Holt and Gina made their first trip back to the 9-9, which was not exactly as nostalgic as they would have liked because uh, almost no one was there to greet them and the vulture uh, took pains to remind Holt that he has no place in the 9-9 anymore um, at the funeral people had various objectives uh, Jake and Amy were trying to record the vulture saying that he was going to bust Jake unless he uh, broke up with Amy uh, so they could tell the chief of detectives and get protection um charles was trying to get some sweet funeral booty and uh <laughs> holt was trying to drink to forget uh no one really succeeded at any of these things um and here we are now 
by the end, um, Jake gave a rousing speech about how deep his relationship with the man he killed after knowing him for six days was, and that inspired Holt to get them protection from the vulture. And also, Charles didn't end up getting some sweet, sweet funeral food. Yeah, because he's a food bigot. Among other yeah. things. Um, Among other things. Okay. Yeah. Um, I guess... So, so audience, we didn't make a plan for this episode. Normally, we, like, outline and we make up topics and we, like, discuss, like, how we want to talk about this episode. We did none of those things this time. <laughs> I did the thing I normally do, which is show up. <laughs> and I'm proud of you for it. I usually do more prep, but you know what? I think I pulled 70 hours this week, so my brain is just, like, not not there. That's a lot. Um, a lot of hours. That's a lot. It's <sighs> a lot of hours. It's my own fault, and it's okay. I'm not complaining about my job. I love my job. Um, my new job. I just, I need to find a better, like, way of rationing out my limited amount of attention. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, that all of this is secondary. I, I, I actually, for once, I want to start with the A plot. Well, I want to have, like, overall impressions of this episode. So I know a couple people who, like, fucking loved this episode. They just, like, they're just, like, everything about this episode is firing on cylinders. They loved every sim- single second of this episode. And I totally get that perspective. I don't think I share it. I enjoyed this episode a lot. Um, and, like... And, and even the, like, sort of problems I, I have with it are sort of minor um, and sort of just, like, character-centric. Um, spoiler alert, Amy's my favorite character, and that's kind of causing me problems in watching this show sometimes. Um, you have problems with Amy in this episode? No, not that. It's that, um, and, and, and I, I want to get to that. I my, I think my problem is that I want specific things from how the relationship functions, and I'm getting some of them and not others, and it's, like, putting me as, like, a viewer who's, like, maybe too invested in a weird in a weird position where, like, I liked the episode, but I didn't get the thing I thought I wanted. Well, I mean, the thing I wanted was that for them to indicate that, like, Gian Boyle's casual sex memory palace was significant and meaningful, but like, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't have problems with where they were taking the characters mostly in this episode, and I think the episode was a strong one and a strong indicator of where they're going to move the season. I thought it wasn't a particularly funny episode on their standards. Yeah, I think that's kind of what's getting to me, is that, okay, so so bigger picture, this episode reminds me a lot of the Boyle and Nettie wedding, and the Boyle and Nettie wedding is really funny. Um, and I, I wonder, did did Luke Del Tredici write the Boyle and Nettie wedding, or was that Mike Schur or Dan Gore? I never know these things. I think Dan Gore wrote the Boyle and Nettie wedding. This episode is structured almost exactly like that one. Um... Even down to the, like, distribution of plot lines. Yeah, I could see that. Um, I don't know. I mean... I mean, we have a lot of the same elements. We have uh, Terry helping Holt write a speech. We have... <laughs> no, I mean, we don't, but it's. I can see the parallel. <laughs> I mean, we have... We have... Uh, 
Gina, Boyle, and Rosa uh, in a plotline together. Um, in this case, involving Boyle, like, and his romantic problems. Last time it was a Boyle and his romantic problems. <laughs> Um, and then the A plot is Jake and Amy and their sort of like romantic tension. I mean, yes, the context is different. Um, and it, it definitely ends differently. I don't know. I, I, this episode is structured very much like that. It also has the other thing that you and I usually like in an episode. We, we have generally liked in an episode, which is like, um, all the plot lines touching or sort of being centralized around like a central problem that the entire squad is having to deal with. And so in this does it like well, it's the fu- well Dozerman's funeral is what's bringing everyone to the table here maybe i I don't think so I'm glad they've got like strong continuity and strong forward development of all the plots going on in this episode um I'm hesitant yeah. to like put a bunch of praise on the funeral itself because the way it played out bothered me in that yeah they have no idea how a funeral fucking works like they may have never been to one. <laughs> Because, like, there isn't, like, a free association period in between the different parts. And there isn't, like, a mourner's reception before the speeches. Like, when is all this stuff happening? Like, keep wandering around in and out of the ceremony. How did Boyle get in while everyone was, like, while the funeral was in motion? Why did he duck out to have sex during the funeral? It doesn't make any sense. I was thinking about that. I was like, this whole thing was awake. Like, like a lot of it was, but like, Bagpipe Man. Why is he practicing playing the bagpipes between when everyone was first like getting seated in the pews and when like the whatever else happened? Like, wouldn't he be playing before, while people were, get, were gathering? Or, what's going on here? What's a funeral? <laughs> I was thinking, of, I, I did notice that. I was like, I, I realized later, I was like, I don't know how funerals work either, because I've had the dubious privilege of not really having had to attend any. Um, I have to assume it's not like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know how a wedding works. I've been to a few of those now, but like, they're, they're I don't not know how the a funeral works. No, they're not. They're totally, if nothing else, very, very discreet. I think that's the thing. Is like, how do you set a comedy in a funeral? I mean, there's a lot of ways to set a comedy in a funeral. I think it could work really well. I but mean, there's like, death at a funeral, but like, I mean, a lot, like seen a lot of comedies have very funny bits happen at funerals um i'm not doubting that i'm just saying like that's a challenge yeah but i don't think it was like the unique challenges of the funeral that were like tripping them up i think they just like had their scenes interacting with random bits of a funeral with no regard to what bits of what order those bits would come in so I was thinking about this when I was rewatching it, and like especially when Jake and Amy go greet uh, Dozerman's like, you know, widow, yeah. I suddenly started. I suddenly it struck me as like, you know, this episode just feels like a collection of scenes that looked really, that sounded like they'd be really fun, sort of loosely tied by this funeral. Situation. Yeah. 
This episode feels like vignettes. Like, that's really what it is. And it doesn't... And that's especially dissonant when you have a a strong organizing principle, like a funeral with a program. Yeah, so yeah. I think I think that's what kind of threw me. I think the other thing that threw me is is like I guess the retread value. Like I was saying, like this this episode is structured very similarly to the Boyle and Eddie wedding. And I and I I will say I was entertained by this episode. I do like this episode. I and like you said, it's an excellent like follow up to um to new captain, you know? Like this is strong sense of continuity, a lot of things bouncing back and forth. Um you know, Boyle's <laughs> boneyard <laughs> His his funeral booty is a weird introduction, but okay. Um, I'll accept it. <laughs> you know, like I'll yes and that. Um, I don't know something something about this episode. To me, it's really fun the first time, and then it just sort of I don't know. The second time I watched it, I was like, I wasn't as into it the second time. Well, I think it is doing important parts for the plot. And for that, I'll give it a lot of credit. Uh, yeah, I um, give it a lot of um, leeway, too. Like, sometimes things... I would I would rather have an episode that's forwarding the plot than an uproarious episode at this stage of the game. Yeah, episode two, actually, some we had an anonymous ask about that, about how somebody pointed out that episode two is when we get the main sort of thrust of the plot line for the early part of the season, anyway, introduced. Well, season one, it was like what ended up being the finale. Season two, it ended up being, well, what ended up being the finale. But I didn't see anything in this episode that would set up something for the finale. Sure. It's a little early to be doing that. Like, I think the fact that they introduced Podolsky in the second episode and, like, he ended up being involved in the sec in the, like, last episode, um, is... It looks more similar to how the second season worked than it was. Like, Podolsky's not a major character. He's uh, he's not even a major recurring character. He recurs once and, you know. um, Wunch is is a major recurring character, and introducing her in the second episode makes a lot of sense. um, Because, like, they needed to wrap up the loose strings of the first season but then they didn't have anything to go on so they're like well it's time to introduce this character who's going to be really important to us um this isn't working like either of those because they're the point of the first episode wasn't to wrap up everything from the last season it was to evolve the storyline and this is just trying to maintain that momentum yeah I think it works at that but I don't think it's going to be like I don't know some I don't think that anyone introduced in this episode is going to, like, be important to the finale. Because no one's introduced in this episode except, like, Chief of Detective Garmin. And, and Archie um, Punjabi's character. Yeah. But she barely got lines, but so... I don't... I mean, I think there'll be more episodes with her, but, like... I don't think she's no. going to be important. I like that actress, though. I've always liked that actress. Um... She's been in a lot of stuff. Every time I see her, I don't recognize her, which sounds insane. 
Huh. Yeah, I enjoyed her in this. She was funny. Um, she had good chemistry with, with Jill Atriglio. But, I mean, they say they're going to bring her back, but I can't tell how. Like, she didn't have any characteristics, and then Boyle closed the book on her eligibility as a potential mate because she doesn't eat the foods he likes. She, he... Which I take offense to. Yeah, as a vegetarian, I was super annoyed by that. Yeah. I, was... I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a gluten-free vegan, but, like, fuck off. Also, Stephanie Beatrice is, is a gluten-free vegan, so... Yeah. Like, maybe that's the joke, but I'm just, like, as a vegetarian, I'm so offended. That's not a good joke. If it requires knowing trivia about a character who isn't even... who About an actor who isn't even playing the character the joke is about, it's not a joke. I... It might be an in-joke. Yeah. But you get no points for those. <laughs> I... This isn't Stefan. <laughs> this is also... Well, as a person who's vegetarian, I get this type of garbage from foodies all the time. I'm sure you do, too. Eh. Eh. I... I, I, I maybe I have better techniques for dealing with it, or maybe I don't talk to as many foodies, but, like... I've got a lot of methods of shutting down people who want to make noise about vegetarianism, and I haven't encountered that many... Since moving to the Northeast. Oh, yeah. I got. I think I got more of that when I was in Texas. Oh, well, yeah. Like, oh, God. I got a lot more when I was in Oklahoma. Just me angry ranting about people bitching about Hinduism. Right. Yeah. Not the point. So, okay. Um, I, I guess we'll start with the B-plot. I... One, does Mar- is Marcus still alive? <laughs> we, we've definitely gone two straight episodes with him having no mentions. Well, I mean, I'm not, like, Rosa hasn't had a kind of personal feeling plot in either of those episodes, so I'm not that surprised. But also, uh, her birthday was six days ago, and they were, like, in two love, so. Sure, but Rosa's pretty private, and other people have had shit going on. Fair enough. Um... It still seems weird to, like, have zero mention of Marcus, though, in two episodes. But okay. Um. Well, it seems like they don't want to mention him when they don't have... Uh, Nick Cannon. Nick Cannon around to not have any lines. <laughs> so, like, kind of makes sense. I, I guess Marcus... They probably, they probably don't... They, they probably can't, like... Afford to bring him on very often to stand around doing nothing of interest. <laughs> or she broke up with him. At, at, well, I mean, so nothing bad could have happened to him, remember, because it's been six days. <laughs> True. I, I, as a huge nerd for stuff like that, I really appreciate them very, like, very overtly giving us timelines. Yeah. Because, like, I love that type of stuff. I actually, I don't know if the if I'll get heat from the fans for this, but um, I really appreciated Amy offering to step back from their relationship under the circumstances. I think it was very like realistic and kind of generous of her, like because like she's right, like long term. Jake's career is more important than this relationship is yet. Okay, 
so you're not you might get heat from the fans you're definitely going to get a little heat from me um because okay okay this this is the thing that i think really stuck in my craw and i'll do my best to articulate this okay um but it might take me a couple tries um i i i see what you're saying and yes from like a real world perspective and like a realism perspective i get that and i think you're right my my thing is this comes like this is the second she did this last episode too not about his career but about something else like maybe we shouldn't I don't know what this is yet we killed a man yeah like I think maybe, she's this like is... maybe this is no no hang on hang on I, I she's like you know maybe this isn't maybe this is our signs that we shouldn't be together and from my perspective like we've gotten two years of Jake being like, yes, like I'm here for this. I want this. And so it just feels like from, from a viewer perspective, I'm annoyed by this because it feels like she's just ready to run at like any time it gets a little bit hard. She's like, I'm out. That's not what this read like to me at all. I can see, I can see how it seems like that. And you know, I don't, I don't think you're wrong to characterize it that way, but I read her as doing the selfless thing of giving him the option, not because she thinks it's too hard on her, but because getting to detective took Jake five years and might not be replicable and is a, it is the most important thing in his life. Did it I think take him that, five years? I don't know. It took him a long time and a lot of work. And that's, that's the thing though. I don't think it did. Jake's timeline doesn't work unless he made Detective two years in. Okay, math, whatever, but, like... <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Jake has, like, Jake has reached a goal that he has wanted for a large part of his life. Yeah. And having it taken away from him would be a major step back in his life. A much more major step than stepping away from the relationship. And I think her putting that forward as a possibility... Like, giving him the option of that is uh, selfless and consistent with her character. So, I, okay, I see what you're saying. And I'm, I'm, I would have been comfortable with Amy giving Jake the out if he wanted to take it. I just think the way she presented it makes it look like she's ready to run. Like, it would have been different if it... I feel like maybe the approach could have been, um, you know... Maybe her approach could have been like, you know, being a detective is important to you. Maybe we should listen to him. Maybe we should do what he says. But, like, it felt more like, you know, this is a six-day relation. I mean, I think it's the contextualizing she put on it that made me think that she's, like, ready to bounce. Like, the first second it gets hard. And that's frustrating to me. I don't think this episode, like... I think this episode has balances to that that don't really that like go against that reading but the balances are things like jake making a big speech in front of people and we already know how and amy seeking well no no but amy seeking holt's approval that's huge like amy wanting holt to approve of this relationship is analogous in this context to her wanting jake to meet her parents or something it's a really really big deal it this episode makes it pretty clear how invested amy is in the relationship and, like, maybe that line of hers doesn't 
totally gel with the investment, but I think, like, I don't know. I think it's an uncharitable reading. Maybe. I don't know. I guess, like, I'm, I'm, I'm of the opinion that, like, Jake's done enough, like, romantic gesture garbage. Like, it's her turn, and I'd like to see some of that reciprocity. But, but that's also something I care about very much within relationship context is the this idea of reciprocity so i'm imposing a lot of my own values onto a show and that's that's something i'm aware of well consider also that like amy came up with the plan to record the vulture right Mm -hmm. she's the one who succeeded at recording the vulture she like acted as a bait to get him to gloat because she knows that he likes messing with her Mm -hmm. and she got the thing and you know she succeeded in that plan. She was, like, Jake's partner all the way through this. Yeah. And, like, in the face of Jake's, like, apparent desperation in saying, like... You know, he admitted he has no plan whatsoever for how to get his job back. That's not something she should let happen. He also... He also makes clear that he'll work his way back. I... I mean, she's like, maybe you won't. I'm like, I just feel like it's more likely that he'll ma- he'll come back without, than he won't. I don't know. Sorry, what? I, 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 I guess like, a lot of Amy's arguments for why they should break up don't hold a lot of water with me. And so in that, and I think that's sort of my like, I think that's why I'm being so negative here is like, her arguments don't hold up to me. Like, they're, they're paper man arguments to me. I absolutely don't agree. I, that's okay. We're allowed to disagree. And yeah. I think that makes the podcast more interesting when we do. Sure. I think let's have our audience write in and tell us what their opinions are about, like, sure. how, how each of us is reading into this and, and maybe which one... Uh, feels more in line with either the show or with the with the narration with the narrative arc of this episode. What I will say is that Jake giving a big speech was the wrong fix to that dilemma. Yes, I agree with that a hundred percent. I'm also just tired of that. Yeah, it's pretty I mean it was a funny it was one of the funnier bits in the episode, but like I think th- I, I think it would have, like... I do believe that what they were going for with Amy was... I know how much you value being a detective, and I know, detective, and I know how much I value being a detective, and I'm not going to let you give this up for this relationship without at least thinking about it. And I think that having him legitimately consider that, and then be like no, I believe in us, and also I believe in our ability to fix this, would have been more effective. Now, that wasn't necessarily workable with how they constructed Holt's challenges, but, you know, trying to wrap everything up with the same solution, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess, like, I, I see what you're saying. I think, like, Jake should have considered it. And maybe maybe the right move would have been, like, what you're saying is, like, do this together. Like, we work better together than not. Yeah. Yeah. 
um, I mean, that that's what the show has always said, is that the 9-9 as a unit is better working together than not. I... Mm. Yeah, I'm not going to armchair plan out what a better episode would have been. <laughs> I don't I don't really want to do that either. Because it's, because especially like large like looking like zooming back, for the most part this episode rocked. Like it was it was sort of like a a, a ride. I mean it it wasn't necessarily all the things I love about Brooklyn 99, but like it's like a lot of things I do like. Um I want to talk about that whole plot line, by the way. Everything is garbage is my favorite way to start a speech. <laughs> no, okay. I think that, this is a lot about you. Uh, well, okay. I, I'm i super proud of the fact that I I called the, the garbage as like a slang term for just everything. I called that about a year before it happened. And I'm super proud of myself for that. And I'm forever just like so proud of myself for that <laughs> um the i i liked i liked i've always liked terry holt scenes you know i'm a huge sucker for scenes between them um You're i good. love when mom and dad talk that's what that that's what that is i liked terry allowing him i think that that i think that that is a heteronormative way to describe a situation i i'm <laughs> i'm not case. disagreeing I also recognize that certain heteronormative archetypes persist in Western society um, about, you know, some well, somewhat true. antiquated gender roles and stereotyping there. Um, and I'm not, I also want to point out that I am not describing Terry as mom in a denigratory way. Let's cut all this out and go back to what you were saying, and I won't put you on the hotspot. That's fine. I'll probably just keep it. Uh, the it's, it's it's a good point to underline that like I am being heteronormative, and I do that a lot. And sometimes it's sort of for effect, and sometimes it's for culture. Not the point. The point is that I love. I always like Harry, Terry, and Holt scenes. I always like seeing them interact. I always love their dynamic. Um, I always like how it's. If if Holt were to mentor Amy like full force properly, I feel like it would look like these conversations if she ever got over herself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why I'm like would like to see more Terry and Amy plot lines, especially because I feel like he sh- Terry does for Amy what Holt does for Terry. That's a yeah. good combo. So yeah, I I always like Terry and Holt scenes. I I I I. Love that this particular B plot really underlines that Terry Crews will do anything. But what do you mean? He did in the this fucking case? Carlton dance, man. He jumps down from a table and does the Carlton oh. dance. Like I don't recognize the Carlton dance when it happens, so uh, my the bad. Carlton dance is like is that Yeah. It's that arm swingy dance he does. Yeah. Okay. It's 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 a Major cultural touchstone for a lot of people our age, Carl. I accept that. I'm just saying that I didn't recognize it totally when it happened. Um, but yes. Uh, well, it took me a second. I I had to see it in gift form before it hit me that it was the Carlton dance. Um, I, but I always like their scenes together. I I know Terry went on about his mango yogurt, which is 
Ter- Terry and his yogurt is Boyle and his hair washing. No, it's not. <laughs> because the yogurt isn't isn't gross. Like Terry and his yogurt is is compelling and endearing. <laughs> Boyle and his hair washing is a distorted view of humanity. <laughs> we see Boyle but through a glass darkly. <laughs> oh my god, I love that. I love that. Well, it's not mine. <laughs> what do you mean? But through a glass darkly is not my coinage. Got it. No, but like I love, I love that you bringing that t- those two those two discrete things together. Those two disparate things together. Mm-hmm. Um, Boyle was actually great in this episode. Honestly, out of everyone in the cast, Boyle was the most like on, in my opinion. Yeah, there was a kind of like. It's cool to see Holt off his game, but, like, it's gone so far. Like, never love anything is a ridiculous thing for Holt to say, considering that, like, he maintains a a, a successful work-life balance. <laughs> yes, actually. Um, but, so, wait, hang on. Sidebar for a second? There's actually a very touching um, Holt-Kevin story that takes, pl- that takes place um, in the aftermath of the season two finale. Um, someone wrote that fic. What? Someone wrote that, like, fic. It's a uh. missing moment of, like, Holt and Kevin having to deal with Holt getting uh, laterally demoted. Sidelined. Yeah, sidelined. And it's actually a very touching and sweet story. Cool. Yeah, it's nice. Um, back on topic. Uh, the... I, I agree. I think like helping off his game is interesting. It's compelling. It's good. It's it's great to see that character getting more development. Even makes shit weird though. Yeah, it kind of it, it definitely uh, messes with the dynamic of the team. I think. Um, I I I will say though, I think helping off his game puts Gina even more on hers because like. What is it she said? He let me pick the music on the ride over, which makes me think he's given up on life. That was a good line. That was such a great line. There was some really knockout lines in this episode. And, and oh man, I the Vulture, the Vulture in his kettlebell collection, I paused to check it out. And I was like, he has like inexplicably three 30-pound kettlebells, three 40-pound kettlebells, and then two like lesser weight kettlebells. And I... Yeah, I, I suspect that the props people didn't actually think about what a personal gym would require. Because you, if it's just for you, and let's be real, the vulture ain't sharing nothing. <laughs> then you don't need three of anything. Like, there isn't a kettlebell left, lift where, like, you have one in each hand and one in your mouth. <laughs> it's not the right, like, workout... Mechan- like it's not the right workout equipment for Roronoa Zoro. <laughs> it's a. <laughs> Did you really bust out a One Piece reference? No one can stop me. <laughs> I, I'm really into that. Good for you. Um, I, I, I was like amused that there were three of the kettlebells. I was like, why though? And then, and then he fucking does curls with one of the kettlebells, and I was so upset. I mean, it's possible to do curls with kettlebells. Yeah, it's not but illegal. it's just horrible. I, um, 
Hannah, who is, uh, she was Diane B. Chambers. She's Romantic Styles on Tumblr. Hannah texted me and she was like, I thought of you when he did the Kettlebell Girl. And I was like, I'm so offended right now. Is it just, what's wrong with doing that? It's just, it's, it's not, it's not as egregiously bad as doing bicep curls with the, with the, with the squat rack bar, barbell, but it's, it's just, there are dumbbells, man. You don't do curls with a kettlebell. You do snatches or cleans or, or swings or goblet squat. There's a whole host of workouts you do with a kettlebell. One of those things is not curls. Okay. Just I'm just mad about it. It's just it's just poor form. It's just bad etiquette. I mean, this is the vulture though. So poor gym etiquette is just right up his way. This is the person who wears puka shell necklaces and and looks forward to quote unquote nip slips. Well, which by yeah. Which, by the way, nip slip is so 2008. I mean, I. Don't think things go out of style in sleaze culture the same way they do in like thinking person culture. That's true. Nip slip isn't a term that like started being hot in two thousand eight. Also true. I what else is there in this episode? Jesus. Um I think we've done due diligence so um audience if we missed anything drop us an ask we'll get to it <laughs> question mark we're gonna do our best speaking of question marks um there are still two episodes quote unquote missing from the roster i'm going to work on getting those up as soon as possible uh this will definitely be like a three podcast week or something crazy like that just because we we were a little bit behind i'm gonna get us back on track um they still don't know what I think about wrestling, do they? Not yet. Soon, though. Soon. Um, they also don't know what we think about season two as a whole. So, soon. I think um, they do know what we think about season two. They just don't know what our, like, honestly less informed opinion of season two is. <laughs> they they know our moment-by-moment opinions of season two. Um, yes. Aside from that, uh, any, any plugs, Carl? What have you got going on? Uh, no. How's New York Comic Con? I'm so upset I'm missing it. I went yesterday. I didn't go today. Uh, yesterday was Friday. Um, honestly, it's not totally my scene. <laughs> a lot of, there's a lot of humans. But I got, um, a plush Mabari and a plush Nug, which are both Dragon Age things, so you hate them. <laughs> I don't hate Dragon Age. I just resent everyone talking about it all the time. Sure. Mmm. <laughs> They're very cute. Right on. Uh, I'm so upset I missed. I also got um the first volume of uh, Bitch Planet and the first like big collector's edition of uh, Sex Criminals and enjoy both of those a lot. So you can go back to not reading any comics until like more trades of those come out. Yeah, I so Bitch Planet's trade is is issue five in that because I was collecting it for a while and and I lost track of it because um, there was delays in one of the schedules. I'm not sure. Let me see. Since I've got it right here. Do yes. 
Okay, so I have the first four, so I'm missing issue five, and I don't. I need to make sure that came out. It's a pretty rough place to end a trade. I'll, I will say that. Yeah, yeah. No, a lot of the times it's how it is. Um, I also need to like. I don't know what's going on with Miss Marvel, man. It's so. It's so. They did that big like event or whatever, and it fucked up all the titles I was I was following. Which on the Secret one hand, Wars? I'm like, I'm sorry. Secret Wars. Yeah, and Battle. Oh, World. that happened. Yeah. I kept hearing it was gonna happen. It it's been happening, I guess. Secret Wars okay. and Battle World happened, or were happening all summer, and it just messed up all my titles, and so I just like walked away from comics for a while. This is a problem with comics, and I'm not going to turn this to a comic book podcast because there's that's a that's a filled market. But suffice to say, if I were a more casual fan, it would be extremely frustrating to have these stupid events happen in the middle of like a storyline I'm enjoying, and like have zero context for what's going on and why my title is like not printing for a while, and or any of that, you know. Yeah, I can imagine that. Like, it's this, like, set... Anyway, I'm just angry. I'm just angry about a lot of things. Um, I'm I'm ex- I'm super mad I'm missing New York Comic Con because, A, I finally have, like, more wall space to put artwork up on. So I was going to go get, like, all the Foggy Nelson, Matt Murdock, Daredevil TV series fan art, and I was going to pick up, like, some Agent Carter stuff, and now I can't go to Artist Alley at all. And I was too incompetent to find anything for you. It's okay. It's I, that Marvel poster. Um, I I think they're giving it out today. Huh. So hopefully, the person to whom I gave my badge picks one up, picks a copy of that up. She's for me. not going today. She's not in the state. Oh shit! That's right. Well, I asked my friend Katrina to pick something up for me. If she sees it, hopefully she will. Hopefully. And that's the dream. Um, man, I just, I always loved New York Comic Con, and I'm, I'm, I'm legitimately, genuinely sad I can't be there for it this year. Um, did you, so you made it into the main floor. Did you also make it to the artist alley? Yeah, we were there for a bit. Yeah, that's my favorite part of the con, hands down. Well, it's pretty cool. There's, um, a lot of tits in artist alley. Yes, that part does throw me off, and actually, a lot, I make a a lot point. of tits at Comic Con in general. Yes, I mean, so the the artist alley, the like extra cheesecakey stuff, those artists, I deliberately choose not to support. Sure. Like, I make a point of kind of walking past their, not make a point of it. Like, I'm not like looking at them and like giving them the Saka Water Tribe out like gesture. <laughs> um, however, I will, I will sort of kind of look at their stuff and be like uh no thank you um and and it's it's a little more heartbreaking when it's like female artists doing this like super cheesecakey male gazy work yeah yeah um so yeah i i hear new york comic-con is actually pretty fun though i i've honestly been avoiding the coverage because i'm like so heartbroken i can't be there (laughs) cry 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 but it's 100 degrees in Los Angeles today, so... Whee. Hooray. I actually had to turn off my air conditioning because it was too loud for me to have on while recording. So this podcast is killing you. Um, 
it's actually okay. I had it running for about an hour or two before before we started, so the house is is slowly getting warmer. Yes. Um, but yeah, uh, it's good catching up with you, Carl. I I actually am really glad we do this, like, just because like it gives me it it means we get to sort of stay in touch and catch up with each other. <laughs> it's like Ooh. a forced scheduled catch up time. <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> I miss you. Yay! <laughs> I, I miss you I'm all I'm all out of good words in my brain. Uh, I think that's everything we got. Uh, that's everything I've got. Else. I'm sorry. That's everything I've got. Cool. All right. Well, to, or from both of us to all of you, this has been back in the field. My name is Carl. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye, everyone. Bye.